not some awesome music to start off your morning, I don't know <laughs> what is. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Here we are, Tuesday morning, and today we have a special guest all the way from Norman, Oklahoma, Miss Barbara Burlingame, who is a code enforcement or code compliance inspector for the city of Norman, Oklahoma, also the president of the American Association of Code Enforcement Officers, or ACE. I had the pleasure of meeting Barbara in person for the first time in October, and that was wonderful. Mm -hmm. I was able to participate in ACE as a, as a presenter instructor, and great program, great crowd, great people. So if you missed it, don't miss out on the upcoming ACE uh, conference that we have this year. So with that, hi, Barb, how are you? Hi, pretty good. How are you guys doing? Good. Not too bad. Not too bad. And we started the intro with the music from the SOS band, who is from Atlanta. And this year, the um, the conference will be in the uh, state of Georgia in Atlanta. And mm -hmm. so we're looking forward to, to that. Uh, we'll talk more about that. Uh, last year, it was in Glendale, Arizona. So we're moving back and forth because that's what ACE does. We represent everybody across the nation. And we love that Barbara's here. She's going to share her story of how she got into code enforcement and, you know, and then how she maneuvered her way into um, the Oklahoma Association and into ACE, where she now serves as president. And, you know, she's ser served for uh, several years now, um, you know, and she did several years as a committee chair for the uh, seminar, which kind of that's why the seminar is so great each year. It's getting better and better because we have seasoned folks in there doing what they're doing. So with that, Barbara. Good morning. How are you doing? Good morning. Um, yeah, it's not a real exciting story. Actually, in, in 1991, my, my, yes, I'm that old. Uh, my landlord worked for the city of Norman, and I actually came down here to pay him rent. And he's like, hey, Barb, there's a job on the board you should go apply for. Now, I don't think, I, you know, I don't know if he thought, oh, I'm not going to get my rent. Why? You know, we need to find her a better job. <laughs> um, but I applied for it. And actually didn't hear anything for several months. And then out of the blue, I get a phone call saying, hey, we want to interview you for this job you applied for. And I had to ask them what they were talking about because I had forgotten about it. Anyway, I was hired. And it was interesting. Um, absolutely no training whatsoever. I was given the code book and, and another code officer brand new started at the same time. We were given our code books. The keys to our Chevy celebrity, okay? Yeah, we were rocking with our bad selves and told to go forth. I did some of the stupidest, stupidest things because I, I didn't know any better. You know, I mean, who knew you couldn't climb on top of a fence to look in someone's backyard? I didn't know that. Or climb on your truck or um, just all sorts of really, honestly, just stupid and, and illegal things because I didn't know any better. I hadn't received any training. And in 1995, they decided to, we needed to make a state organization. Uh, now, I left code from 95 to 97. And I came back in 97 and immediately became a member of the Oklahoma Code Enforcement Association. And my boss at the time, her name was Linda, she really believed in training. And I got sent to some training in Wisconsin, and then I was sent to St. Louis, Missouri for my very first ACE conference. I think it was like 2018, 2019. It was my very, very first ACE conference. I loved it. 
I fell in love with the Oklahoma Code Enforcement Association. And, um, you know, I think I just sort of fell into things. I was actually at a, we were at an, ACE, at an OCEA conference and some guys came up to me and said, hey, Barb, you're running for first vice president. And I went, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> uh, so I did. And then in 2013, ACE held the conference here in Oklahoma City. And our state association was extremely involved in that conference. I got to meet ACE folks. I got to work with them. I fell in love with it. I, I love code enforcement. I love the people. I, I love the stories. And, and to me, uh, code enforcement is a family because nobody else really knows what we go through. You know what I mean? Like another code officer does. And so to me, uh, code enforcement has always been a family for me. OCA is family. ACE members are family. That's just the way it is. And in, in 2013, I was elected to uh, third vice president for ACE, uh, the membership vice president. And I served two terms there. And so literally, except for a couple of months, I have been on the board since 2013. Wow. So... Yeah, so we're looking at almost close to a decade on serving on a national board. You know, right. that's commendable, you know. <laughs> right. uh, people don't really understand the commitment it takes to be on the board, you know, or uh, being part of an association, volunteering your time. You know, I spend time with you on the weekends talking to you or having to do projects for you or doing stuff with you. Or, I mean, it's insane the amount of work that you do mm -hmm. and the amount of calls that you get because, um, you know, you being a national uh, association president, you get those rough calls when things happen to our code officers in, in the U.S. and mm -hmm. you have to formulate some of the responses. So, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about that because it's important for, you know, people to understand because, you know, you as a as a as a code officer, you're right. We're the only ones that understands what we go through. Mm -hmm. You know, you you understand the highs, the the what they call the peaks and the valleys. You know, we go through some bad stuff. Um, you know, a lot of times we're looked at as a as a luxury versus a necessity. And you know, during uh, hard times, that's when people let go of uh, code enforcement officers because they're like, yeah, do we really need somebody to monitor our grass? You know. Uh, and, and, and that's not, you know, but they forget to say, hey, we need these guys to take care of that problem house on, on Main Street because, you know, there's a lot of illegal activity and the police can't handle it. So we need code enforcement. Right. And, and, you know, I always look at that, too. If you want your community to grow, you better have a strong code enforcement department. Because let's say here in Norman, Oklahoma, um, maybe a big store. Okay is looking at coming to Norman, Oklahoma. And they drive through Norman, Oklahoma, and our city looks tacky. You know, it's signs everywhere, high grass, buildings falling down. But yet they can go, you know, 10 miles up the road to Moore, Oklahoma, and their community is pristine. Well, where are you going to put your store? I'm not going to put it in Norman, Oklahoma, if that's the case. You know, I'm I want to go to where there's a thriving community and there's growth. And so, in my opinion, without code enforcement, you are not going to get city growth. And that's a that's a really good point. And, you know, um, before we dive into much into code, I, I want to 
um, just kind of pick your brain a little bit. And I'd like to ask this of everybody that we interview because I think it's so important. Barb, you've been in code enforcement for these many years and you're the president of a national code association. What has kept you in the profession this long? What continues to motivate you to stay in this profession for as long as you have? Well, I, I love the people I work with. Um, we have a great, great team here here in Norman, Oklahoma. Um, sadly, we lost one of our team members yesterday, but we do have a fantastic team. And I love other code officers. I love, you know, one of the things I love the most is the fact that, you know, a lot of people think that a code officer is out there just to get you. You know, we just want to nail you, nail you. But that's not true. You know, if you contact us and we know of a situation you're in, we will do anything in our power to help you with that, with that situation. You know, our goal is to get compliance. Our goal is not to hammer you. Now, sometimes I, you know, be quite honest, we all know that occurs where we'd have no choice. But, um, you know, use community resources. Get to, get to know your community. Get to know other people that can help I'll, quick story i sent a letter to clean up limbs and this is not about me this is about the boy scouts and this gentleman and his daughter called me from south carolina just as mad as mad could be and i couldn't blame her because but i didn't know he was 100 years old you know i had no way of knowing that but the instant we became Aware of that, we began to find other avenues. And it ended up a Boy Scout troop here in Norman, Oklahoma, went and cleaned up those limbs, and then even cut the offending tree down that everything was coming off of. And then that Boy Scout troop, um, that man taught them how to garden. I mean, they kept in contact with him until he passed away. And so they were able to form a beautiful relationship. And so you got to you know find those avenues because... In the great scheme of thing, we're really wanting to help people take care of what they need to take care of. But if you don't, if you don't, they don't call us. You know, we always stress, please, please, please call us. No, we can't. But that's one of the things I love is the citizens I get to meet and deal with. For the yeah. most part. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? You're you're absolutely right. That's the best part. You know, there are many code enforcement officers out nationwide. You know, managers, directors, officers who who build those relationships with the community. Mm -hmm. And for a lot of us, it's not just about, let's close out that case and we're done. Let's get it a bit or in compliance and we're mm -hmm. done. A lot of the times our most vulnerable population are the ones that need the most help. So for us right. in enforcement, we take that, like you said, Barb, oh my gosh, I didn't know he was a hundred years old. Let's change our tactic. Let's change, let's change mm -hmm. what, you know, our processes for a quick second, think about it, big picture and come up with a better solution so that we can get him the resources that we need. Um, yeah. I, I had something similar, um, in, in a city that I worked for where I had an elderly woman who was in, in a hoarding situation and she was struggling a lot. Um, and she had a lot of, you know, emotional stuff that she was dealing with on the home front. But what I did know is she was in her 90s. She was a cancer survivor. She had taken a fall and broken her hip. And she had been taken advantage by folks that would walk by her house and offer to clean her yard, take her money and then go. And so, you know, I made it a point to check in on her. You know, if I was out mm -hmm. doing inspections, mm -hmm. 
at another part of the city, I'd be like, oh, you know what? I got a, a quick five or 10 to swing by and, and check and see how she's doing. Hey, are you okay? Are you good? Even to the point where sometimes we even go ahead and say, hey, you know, we have access to free, free Thanksgiving dinners or we have access to food pantry vouchers mm -hmm. or we have access to, you know, ride shares for doctor appointments. Here, let, let us get you some resources and really stay in touch with them and, and visit them. I had one, one guy who endured a triple bypass and ended up at a um, facility getting better recuperating. And I showed up to, to uh, visit him and he says to me, Hey, Cece, what are you doing here? I, mm -hmm. I, I haven't done anything yet because you know I'm here. <laughs> and I said, "Oh no, no, I'm not here for that. I'm here just to make sure you're okay." And he just kind of reached out for my hand and, and held it. He said, "Thank you so much." You know, it, and it goes beyond just the code case. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're dealing with people here, and that's what that's what I love, and and I love that that Cece, what you uh, what you said because. I think code officers have huge hearts, and what we're, we're what we're about is wanting to help people and help our community, and that is my favorite part of this job is being able to do that. And I I think people forget that sometimes you know um, mm -hmm. we, you know we get caught up with with all these other issues, you know, um, Hey, we're not getting paid enough. We're not doing this. We're not doing, you know, I can tell you the biggest moments for me, it's, you know, actually making a difference in the community. And, you know, even, mm -hmm. you know, sometimes we deal with tough issues. We deal with hoarding issues. It puts right. our own health in jeopardy. And, you know, sometimes we abate these things because a hoarder is embarrassed. Most times they're embarrassed that, right. you know, they're, of what's going on and they have to hide it. So they have to lie to everybody. And, that's a tough burden for anybody to carry. And, you know, for code enforcement to understand that and to work with these individuals and to give them the resources mm -hmm. and to help them out. And at the end of the day, saying thank you for them to say, thank you. You saved my life. That, that's a feeling that people will can't understand except the, you know, it's not about the self gratification, but it's the yeah. overall big picture of being able to serve your community and us as code enforcement officers, you know, I can I can tell you, you know, this is why we do what we do. You know, this is why we have these podcasts. This is why we feature people in the, in the ACE newsletter. This is why we tell the stories because we we always have to remember that this job is, you know, it's, it's not just a career. It's a way of life, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, we, a lot of us, you know, when we interview people that are, you know, really, really into code enforcement, they say, hey, we eat, breathe, sleep and dream about code enforcement. And it's kind of <laughs> weird to say that. But it's true because that's what we do. And, you know, we get that satisfaction to say, hey, we get to meet like-minded individuals and share those stories. And, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it's funny because it takes a, you know, it takes a special person to do code enforcement. You just can't go in there and be on the law. Like you said, you just can't do that. No. You have to take back and say, how do we help these people? And, you know, and I can tell you every time I'm at the conferences, I can feel that energy. You know, at the age, I can feel that energy from all the code officers that were coming together from, you know, from Oklahoma, California, Florida, Texas, New York. And we just feel it. We just know what's going on. We, we just it's it just an electrified. I, I love our classes. Oh, man, we had some you know awesome classes in Arizona. And I can tell you right now, Brian Wagner is hitting it out of the ballpark for the upcoming conference in Atlanta. 
But one of my absolute favorite things about the conference is networking with other code enforcement officers. I think we all get so much from that. And it, it sort of revamps me. You know what I mean? It um, brings back to me why I do what I do and why I love what I do. It's talking with other code officers and experiences they've had. And just amazing group of people. You know, I'm doing it. Oh, go ahead, Cece. Sorry, I have to chime in on that because I couldn't. I couldn't agree more. I, with everything you both said, being at a conference really reminds you. Because sometimes, you know, you get deflated, right? Because you're thinking to yourself, mm -hmm. I have all these all these cases I have to get to. I'm overwhelmed. There's not enough staff. You know, I can't get to them fast enough. And you start feeling a little stagnant or demoralized or saddened that you don't have the resources. But when you go to the conferences, you realize, oh, my gosh, here's here's my tribe. Here's my people. These are my people. Exactly. All together. You know, hey, what's working for you, Pete? Hey, what's working for you, Barb? You know, what can I do different? And, and it almost re-energizes and fills your cup with what you need to continue moving forward, to continue, you know, working your cases, to continue improving on your skill set, to continue to look at different resources and, and tap into those network opportunities and say, I really like, uh, you know, Barb's process. Barb, can you send me your resource? You know, I, I want to go ahead and adopt that because I think that's going to work for me. Those are the fundamental things that not only come out of networking, right? It's the friendships. It's the, you know, being able to feel re-energized and motivated and also the resources that come with that. So there's so much value to going to the conferences for sure. Yeah. And, and like, you know, we all get our weird cases, right? And with networking, Sometimes you don't have to reinvent the wheel because odds are somebody else has been through it and you can ask what they did, seek their guidance. And, you know, I'm all for if you don't have to reinvent the wheel, don't do it. Use your other code officers as resources. They're the best resources we have for other code officers. Yeah, and one of the things that I sometimes, my, one of my models is like, you don't have to reinvent the wheel, but there's nothing stopping you from creating a high performance one, <laughs> you know, so taking someone's <laughs> program and just elevate it yeah. to the next level. And, you know, so it's, 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 um, it's, it, it's funny that, you know, when, when you talk about all these stories and, you know, and networking is so important, and, you know, just to, you know, quick disclaimer, if I didn't network with people like Barbara, she wouldn't be on this show. You know, she wouldn't have the trust to come on here, you know, to 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 share her stories and, you know, and just be herself and be vulnerable in, in, in live. You know, it's 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 a trust that we have as code enforcement officers. You know, I trust that she's going to give us the best information on what she knows and what she's done because she's the expert on herself. You know, so when we talk about Ace and, you know, she's lived Ace for the last decade, she, she can tell you the ins and outs and the struggles that Ace has been going through. I mean. You know, we've been through financial hardship, you know, during the economic crisis. We've been through low numbers, high numbers, weather, <laughs> COVID. I mean, we've been, we've been through so much. And, like, she's still here standing. And, you know, I'm here probably promoting Ace as well, just like just like Barbara does. And, and you know, Cecilia's here promoting national code enforcement. She's a leader in, in women's leaders in code enforcement. I mean, we're just doing all this cool stuff and to me it's it's important that we continue to network and continue these relationships in code enforcement and you know we always put our contact information say hey reach out to us if you have any questions 
Mm-hmm. You know, you're one of those people that if somebody reaches out to you, you're very responsive. You know, one of the, one of the things that Barbara is good at, if she gets an email from somebody, she'll mass mail the board and say, Hey board, can you help this person out? And we'll get, a, we'll get some responses. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I lose you guys, I'm just going to warn you. My phone just told me restart device, updating software in 10 seconds. So if I lose you, it will hopefully be briefly. All right. Have I lost you? So just, oh, okay. <laughs> it is what it is. It is. Well, I'm so sorry. I can still hear you guys, though, so I'll keep talking till it restarts my phone. Sounds good. And then, good. you know, you guys can do a little song, a little dance. What's that old saying? A little song, a little dance, a little seltzer down your pants. <laughs> yes, I, I am that old. <laughs> I love that. I'm going to have to remember that. <laughs> that's a good one i'm gonna have to use that um so far you know we we can still hear you really- so let's let's dive into what it means to to getting involved with a board whether it's a state board a national board um the benefits of doing that because you know i gotta tell you when i when i first got involved with my state board um many years ago i i was very new, very nervous. I didn't know what to expect. And I thought, okay, well, what's my role? You know, what am I looking at? All I knew it was that I had that passion, right? I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to get involved, but I didn't know quite where to start. What do you think are some tips or some benefits of joining a code enforcement, either committee, board, national board that you can give to our listeners today? Oh, there she is. Hold on. I think we lost her, but I think we got her back. Let me see. Hello, Barbara, are you there? Well, we're trying to pivot here. All right, let me see. Is she there? No, she's not there. And this happens when you're on live. <laughs> so since so we got to we gotta pivot, right. girl. You know what? Here's the thing. Pete, Pete and I are always really big on pivoting. Right. And we've been through so much of that beat in the last two years with COVID. We've learned how to roll with the punches and really get it done. So my question was, how do you go about getting on a board? And the cool thing about this is that Pete's been on many boards. So, Pete, I'm going to go ahead and pose that question to you. What are some benefits that you saw were um, essential when considering to get on a board while being on a board? How to kind of maneuver being on a board? What are you? What do you think are some of the things that we could share with our listeners today? So I'm going to tell you, uh, when I first got on my state board, I got on for all the wrong reasons, you know, and and that's a that's a thing that I want to tell people, you know, you should do it because you want to do it for the right reasons. And and I'll give you my quick story. Um, You know, I was in the I was in a jurisdiction. I was first code enforcement officer and I was a shining star. You know, I was the golden boy. You know, you know, I got clowned on it a lot for you know, for just going above and beyond. They're like, hey, you're making us look bad. And, you know, I got to a point where I, I started setting up certain programs back in 2008 where um, where we were creating revenue and doing cost recovery, which was unheard of at that time. You know, so uh, we started doing that. We started recovering all our costs because if you remember, that was the time during the, uh, during the, uh, 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 bubble burst uh, uh, and so uh, cities were hurting and they were going to cut code enforcement so they're like figure out where to cut and what i did is i ended up figuring out where to race so and we ended up doing that we saved our our division but in doing so we created other programs which got really political really fast 
and my wings pretty much got clipped. You know, I got an, you know, I was supposed to, well, in my mind, I was supposed to be the next supervisor and it didn't happen. And I was really jaded, you know, and they're like, nope, you're not doing anything new. Everything has to go through us. And it's the worst feeling when you don't have support from your supervisor or management. It's the worst feeling in the world. So me as a rabble rouser that I am, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to teach them. I'm going to do something better, you know, and I ended up joining the state board. You know, and when I joined the state board, I realized I signed up for something completely different than I really thought of. You know, at that time, it was very, uh, it's a very rough board, you know, and I remember I joined with one of my friends and, you know, on our first day, we said, you know what, we're going to change this board. And we did. I served on the board for about 10 years, but I realized that, you know, you have to do things for the benefit of the membership and it's going to cause a lot of ripples. You know, because I, I'm one of those people that I, I'm not going to just sit around and stay quiet. And, you know, that's always been a defect of mine because I don't like to see inaction and I don't like uh, I don't like to see, um, you know, things that are, you know, in my eyes, inappropriate without saying something. Because if not, I'm not doing something about it, then, uh, you know, then I'm doing a disservice to myself and the people I serve. So that's how I ended up getting on the board. I got on the board for the right reasons, but I think I stayed for the right reasons. And I think for during that time, we really worked a lot, developed a lot of um, uh, committees, a lot of volunteer, you know, a lot of volunteer work. We started doing something. We passed some great legislation in, in the state of California. And for me, it was it was a great it was a great run. You know, and when I left, I left. Um, and ended up on the American Association. You know, I got, I had a guy named um, uh, Mr. Carr from Colorado at the time. He was the uh, uh, ACE president. He's like, hey, we see what you're doing online. At that time, I was doing a lot of online stuff, promoting code enforcement, which wasn't really being done. And he's like, hey, I want you to serve on the ACE board. And ended up serving on the ACE board. And I've been on the ACE board since 2007. 2008 now, I believe. And yeah, it's uh, no 18. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So it's been a while. So and it's, it's been a great run. I love it. Um, it's a different mindset from the state board, different goals, different, uh, different outlooks. And let me see. Let me see. Let me see. Right, let me see. We have a quick comment. I've got to ask something. You guys got pretty off top, but I love to see this channel do something. Politics of what we do. We try to avoid it. And it's unfortunate reality. So, yes, chill dog. Um, yes, we did get off topic because our guest is in here. But, you know, I love, uh, you know, we're going to continue talking about the importance of state associations. And, you know, one of the things, the benefits of state associations is, you know, doing the work for your members because we're the only advocates for our members. You know, Cecilia, when I remember when Cecilia joined the board, she she was lost. <laughs> so we were, she was trying to find her own, uh, you know, and in boards, you know, you, you see that people end up, uh, you know, kind of siding with the same type of people. For example, you know, some people are really big into legislation. Some people are big into education. Some people are big into marketing. I mean, there's different avenues for a, for a state association. So now, Cecilia, when you got on the board, what was your first impression of, you know, board the, being on the board? Well, lot, lots of lots of first impressions, but to but to touch on what was said by uh, Chili Dog. By the way, cool, 
cool tag name. I like it. Um, we definitely will discuss that. We will definitely uh, go into the politics of code. I think you bring up a really good point. We don't always unpack that. Um, and it works differently for different cities, different uh, counties, different states, right? It, it's basically different strokes for different folks. However, um, it can have some similarities depending on, on the political side and who's all involved and how we're seen as a code enforcement entity. So we can definitely consider having a show on that for sure. Um, and so going back to being a part of state associations, yes, I was lost. I was excited, but I was lost because I thought, what is my role? Who am I? What, what, what's expected of me? What is it that I need to do? And I knew that the reason I, I got on the board was because I saw a need in my particular region for education, for networking, for resources. And until I joined the board, I had no idea we even had a state board. No idea. And um, so once I got on, I, you know, I started kind of listening. I'm very much an observer. So when I when I'm new to something, you'll catch me just kind of sitting there and just taking it all in because I want to understand. I'm looking at everybody and trying to figure out, OK, Pete's about this. This person's about that. This is what this person's passionate about. And I'm just kind of taking it all in to understand the dynamics of the group and to also find out, OK, what approach am I going to take? So finally making those connections, connecting with Pete, connecting with other members on the board, really helped me understand, okay, what direction do I want to take? I want to focus on education. I want to get involved a little bit with, you know, um, legislation. I want to get involved a little bit with the admin side of it, as far as salmon regulations and how we, we go out and we do things for our membership. But most importantly for me, and Pete said this, you have to have a direct passion for the membership that you serve. Being on a board isn't just, I'm a board member. Yay, look at me. It's cool. It's, I'm a board member, but I'm a board member because I'm here to make a difference. I'm here to listen to my membership needs. I'm here to understand the dynamics, the makeup of the different cities in my region, right? What, you know, do I have some out in the, in the uh, cuts? Do I have some inland? Are some of them more prominent with graffiti? Are some of them more prominent with, you know, short-term rentals or cannabis or substandard housing or gang activity, criminal activity? You really have to understand the makeup of the region that you're serving so that you can better serve your region. And in addition to that, you have to connect with your membership because, you know, it, and when I think back to me feeling like I didn't even know that we had a state association at the time, I really didn't because I didn't get anybody reaching out to me. No one reached out to me to say, hey, I'm, I'm your board of director, I'm your regional or board member. If you need anything, call me. So you have to really do the legwork. Get to know the people that you're representing. Get to know who they are. You know, don't just say, oh, I know so-and-so from the city of what, what, what. Make sure that you make it a point to go up to them and say, hi, I'm Cece. Nice to meet you. I think we interacted over an email or we interacted over a phone call. Really breathe life into that connection and really build on that because you never know. Part about being a board is also doing succession planning and really looking at who out there in our code community can have an opportunity to join a board. So yes, know why you're joining, have a plan. And if you don't have a plan, look at the board, get to know it, you know, research it a little bit, ask the questions, you know, sit down and, and say, hey, what, what do you wanna do? Or what are you focusing on? 
um, and then really build on that and um, you know try to find your niche because I think that's going to be really essential and I do apologize for the for the background noise I have to go to a deposition this morning but this is very important for me so I pivoted and found a place where I can do this live show with Pete today um, but in any case for those of you that are interested in joining a state board feel free to reach out um, to your board members. So in Florida, we have Linnell, we have um, Crystal Patterson. In Colorado, we have Rachel Patterson. You know, uh, in Oklahoma and or Arizona, you have Miss Barbara Burlingame. You know, California, you can reach out to Pete or myself who have been on the board or, you know, the president of the board, Jamie Zeller, or anybody that's on that board as well. Um, research them, give them a call and say, hey, I'm interested. Can you give me some tips? Um, what is it that you think I should do? And explain to them what, what you're most interested in doing. Give yourself the opportunity to really grow with it. Um, but again, part of joining a board is really being invested in your membership. And, and, and really, and what, I, what I mean by that is, yes, making the difference, making the change, doing the things, going to bat for education, going to bat for legislation, going to bat for representation, but also being very in tune with that board. You know, one, one of the things to say that I, you know, let people know is, you know, when you're on a board, you never know what the needs of your members are until you actually communicate with them. So in, in like in California, there was a need for, you know, um, substandard housing legislation. And we worked on that stuff. You and I served on the California Healthy Housing and to talk about lead, bed bugs, mold. I mean, there's different legislation that we helped pass. Um, and it, you, you grow while you're on the board. You, you know, as a, as a me, when I stated that I came in for the wrong reasons, you know, I was a, a young, I wasn't young, but I was younger. And you know, I got to grow because I associated with a lot of, and you know, I got to know how to think like a supervisor and a manager because I served along supervisors and managers and I got to grow. So there's some personal development in, in, uh, in being on the state association. You know, if you're going in to pad your resume, wrong reason, you know, when you're in there and then you get to achieve some of those things and you pad your resume, you know, that's, that's what you do because you actively took a role in creating legislation. Not everybody can create legislation. It's a tough thing to do. It's tough to lobby. It's tough to write it. It's tough to you know help promote it and pass it and market it. It's there's a lot of work involved, and people really don't understand that. So you know when you're when you're going in there and you're communicating with your folks, you know um, there's a lot of code divisions out there that don't want anything to do with an association. They're like we're fine. We don't need training. We don't need you. And you know end of the day. You know, if, if you're in the state association, you're really thinking about, you know, hey, how do we make more money for the association? You're 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 doing it wrong. You got to think, how do we benefit the association? You know, how do we provide free resources? You know, one of the reasons that, you know, I joined ACE, they support a lot of the stuff that I do, you know, with Cecilia, with Rachel, with, you know, with Forley. I mean, they just support all the free resources we provide out there for the folks like this you know it takes time out of our day but you know we're here to give people some information that they may not have had and we love doing that you know we bring in guests that sometimes people are like why are you bringing that guy on but you know at the end of the day they learn something and i think you know and you build great relationships uh, you know I, I always say you know when cecilia was giving her um her thing about being a new code officer, she was kind of smiling because Cecilia, when she's like, I look at this is what Pete's about. We did not get along, but you know what? Our values ended up meshing really well. And you know what? We are so much alike that, you know what? 
we will give it our all to help others because that's that's what we do. You know, we take the next code officers, we meet the next group of people and help them promote because you know what? They're in it for the, you know, they're in it for the profession. And that's something you can't find. And that's a reward within its own reward. You know, so, you know, now going back. Oh, is she back on? No. Okay. So now going back to the, the, um, the national board, going back to the national board, it is so important that you, as a state, you do get involved with your national board. Because you know what? Sometimes you may be a big fish in a little pond, but when you're on national board, you 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 find out that there's other big fish in other ponds. And guess what? We have the same thing. We're all going after the same thing. You know, we're we're looking for you know we're looking to promote our associations, our statewide associations, to say how do we partner with our national association? Because at the end of the day, if there's some legislation happening and. In, in Florida, let's say, for example, the uh, surf site, you know, that code enforcements are going to, you know, have to now inspect, you know, for property maintenance on these dilapidated buildings where in the state of Wisconsin that they may not do it or in California that they don't do it. Guess what? It may come down our way because it's good legislation. And guess what? if we're not prepared for it, it's going to happen. You know, in California, we, you know, we we passed a, a officer safety bill and now, you know, now we're having issues because, you know, there's not a lot of recommendations to, to, on how to create one. And guess what? It, it, it's a good bill. It, may, it might go to other States and guess what? Now they're going to have to figure it out. So somebody's, somebody has to take the lead. Uh, folks like the American association, they get to hear these things. They get to hear firsthand how co what COVID, how COVID's affecting folks. And we can say, Hey, Look, there's this type of enforcement that you can do to help promote your code enforcement divisions because, you know, things happen, like, you know, what, with COVID, what happens? Um, uh, give an example, outdoor dining, that became a thing. Now it's a norm. It wasn't a norm back then. So how do we handle it? How do we tell people to dismantle it? You know, mold, lead, you know, the, the, the legislation for lead. I mean, that's popping up all over the United States because... You know, there's a lot of lead-based uh, uh, building structures out there. So how do you handle it? Are code enforcement equipped? You know, the National Association can provide somebody that training that they may not get in their state because it's upcoming. You know, I've never done any hurricane assessment. You know, Cecilia, she's an expert, you know, at the uh, at fire assessments, you know, because, you know, a part of her region burnt down years ago. And, you know, it was a tough time. And there's not a lot of people that can say, hey, I dealt with that, you know, so... Okay, and we have uh, Barbara back. Sorry, it's all good. It's all good. So we got to go back and let's pivot. So hopefully your phone's nice and updated now. I can't believe that happened. Only me. <laughs> hey, it happens. It happens. But so we're going back. We were talking a little bit about the uh, uh, state associations and our experience on the state association. So now we're transitioning into the national association. So perfect timing. See, <laughs> so, so we just like your update, perfect timing. <laughs> All right. So now other than, uh, so what's other benefits now? Can you talk a little bit about the um, committees with, uh, with, uh, you know, that ACE has? So like, for example, membership, uh, I'm going to have Brian and Tana on in, in, a, in a few weeks. So we'll kind of not dwell too much on the education certification, but okay. you know, the, the seminar membership and other type of committees. Sure. Um, one of our big ones is obviously the conference committee. 
That's a pretty big undertaking every year. Like I said, uh, Brian Wagner is already hard at work. I can already tell you some uh, great classes we're going to have. And the conference committee helps choose the classes. Um, they look over the schedule and um, plan like any extra events we may have, such as a, a meet and greet for all of us to get together and be able to visit with each other and different things like, okay, are we, you know, we haven't had any quote swag in a while because of uh, trying to get our funds back up because, you know, we were hit along with other people with COVID and everything. And so that's, that's pretty much the conference committee. I'm in charge of the awards committee. It is my favorite committee. It's a good committee. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it's fun. You know, it's fun. And what, what the awards committee is, is we start asking um, for people to submit awards for different things like code Officer of the year, code department of the year, um, community service awards, you know, just different things like that. And then once I get all these awards, I send them out to the the awards committee. And the great part about this is I don't have to vote. Okay. I only vote in case there's a tie. Um, so my, my awards committee is fantastic at that. In fact, we're looking at possibly adding another category or possibly two to the awards committee this year. Carrie Simpson is in charge of the bylaws committee. And I, I can tell you this uh, for sure that um, we have, due to some things that have come up, we are making it our mission this year to go through the policies and procedures um, bit by bit and our bylaws bit by bit because, you know, we actually, we haven't done that in a while. And this way we can, you know, we, we need to, we just need to do this. And so we're going to be doing that this year. So her bylaws committee will be working very hard on that. Um, Kelvin Bean does the nomination committee. His job is to ask people to run for office. So if you get a call from Bean, you know, hey, think about it. Think about running for office. I have to tell you, it's, it's been one of the most rewarding things um, I have done is running for office for ACE. So, hey, it just told me my update is complete. <laughs> <laughs> so we're good there. And yeah, and I'll let Tana and them tell about you, tell you about their uh, theirs when it comes time. Yeah. So, so every year we, uh, there's an awards committee. And this is why I say it's a it's a good committee because you get to see some showcase some of the, mm -hmm. uh, the programs out there in the nation, like the right. tool lending program that um, that uh, Round Rock Texas has. It's a great program. I had a I had a uh, a friend tell me that they wanted to start that program, you know, and I'm like. What, what do you think they can use volunteers? I'm like, I think Round Round uses volunteers. I should, you should contact them and, and figure it out. <laughs> so, you know, I, I always say, Hey, you know what? Go to the source. You know, if you want a program, go to the source because you know, there's no, there's no benefit in people hoarding information and code enforcement. I mean, you know, no. at the end of the day, we're all, we're all going to benefit from it. So, um, you know, officer of the year again, Round Rock, I mean, they had a right. great year. I mean, you know, it, it was funny for you guys that were there, you know, the supervisor read the letter of how awesome she was. And at that point she got like three job offers, <laughs> which was, yeah. Which, yeah. So, because she, you know what, the way 
she she carried herself the way you know you can tell she cried like her heart she wore her heart on, uh, on her sleeve she did. and she you know did. what end of the day um you know it, it, it was an awesome it was an awesome uh, award and you know same thing with the folks at glendale arizona for you know for community service and whoever the other awardees were i mean uh, it, it they were great uh, it was just it was a great mm-hmm. program all together well and one of the things I love about the awards committee, too, for instance, this year, uh, Peoria, Arizona had submitted for an award category. And my my awards committee was like, hey, we don't think we think they should be in this category, actually. And so and we have the freedom to do that. And so they moved and they actually won that. And here's a funny story about Round Rock. I loved Round Rock, Texas, by the way. I have family that lives there. Um, but the supervisor had informed me just a couple of days before that he was no longer going to be able to come to the conference. And I was like, oh no, you know, cause he didn't know. Cause generally we'll check and if they're already going to be there, we try to make it a surprise. If not, you know, we let them know. So I called him and I was just like, you know, your girl's winning. She's winning code officer of the year. And he was like, you're kidding. And I'm like, no. He actually flew in early that morning so he could be at that banquet. So I thought that I was really cool. I absolutely love that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Yeah. So another thing, we had the first annual um, uh, Robert Klein Award. And, you know, yep. and it, was, it, was, it was funny because Barbara said, I need you to catch the winner's facial expression when you uh when, when he wins it you know so of course i you know it's the camera guy you know and i i, I kind of the award winner was kelvin bean and he was like this <laughs> it's the funniest thing we got it yeah. we put it on the newsletter <laughs> he was so surprised and you know me i wear my heart on his sleeve too and i'm up there going hey I'm giving it to kelvin you know i'm crying as you, if you guys remember, my, I have a service dog, for those of you who don't know. My service dog broke for the stage when she saw me getting upset. Um, but it was so fun. But actually, Robert Klein received the very first Robert oh, Klein award, posthumously. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, it's one of those things. If you just have to go to the conference. If you're, if yeah. you're able to go, go to the conference. It's an experience like no other. You know, yeah, I've he, had, Oops, sorry. Robert Klein's son-in-law actually was also there to help present the award to Kelvin Bean. And that was pretty special. It, yeah, it was. Uh, it was. And again, if you, if you never got to go to a national conference, it's, it's a good thing because you will meet a lot of key people in our industry that, you know, it just, just they're doing it in their state. They're grinding it out. And end of the day, they're really have that passion for code enforcement. You get to learn about what motivates them. And, and we all have a lot of similar stories. I mean, you know, Tana told her story of, you know, how she was a truck driver and became a code officer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so, you know, I was a, I was a parking enforcement. Cecilia, I don't know what Cecilia was doing. <laughs> she, she was doing permit tech, teching or something. But, you know, we, we all have our stories and, you know, right. interesting stories. Because, like I said, nobody grows up and says, I want to be a code enforcement officer. No. I grew up. No. You know? And it's changing because people now are. Right. And you know what I love about that, Pete, is when I first started this in 1991, I didn't even know what a code enforcement officer was. And most people did not. 
And there really wasn't a place to learn how to be a code enforcement officer, to learn what was going on. And so it was a job. But through organizations such as ACE and such as locally here, Oklahoma Code Enforcement Association, it's not just a job. It's a profession. It's a respected profession that people are trained for. You know, I hope, I hope, I hope the days are gone where you start somebody like me and give them the ordinance book and keys to a Chevy celebrity and send them on their way. Um, because it really was. I did some stuff that was really stupid. I mean, I could have gotten myself hurt. But I've learned so much through networking with people from ACE. And like I said, I started, I'm here in Oklahoma and through our Oklahoma Code Enforcement Association, we actually have, we do four or five basic uh, code training classes a year. And in fact, I, I'm very lucky that I'm involved in teaching those classes. And so for me, it's gone from just a job to a profession. We are professionals and we are looked at as professionals. And I love that change. No, I agree. I, I think for many code enforcement folks, I mean, we had the same story. We got to read the code book for about two weeks, uh, shadow somebody for about another two weeks, and then got our keys to our trucks or something or and got sent on our merry way. And, you know, and, and we have to understand there's so much out there. There's interpersonal skills. There's, you know, there's there's different types of methodologies for enforcement. There's different resources. And, you know, there, growing never stops. It, it just keeps going. And that's why it's important to just continue your, your growth in your state or national association. And, you know, I'm, I'm proud to have you as our uh, national president. I mean, you, you've done great work. I mean, you. You, know, you, I, you know, you've been one of those folks that served for a number of years because you just done it well. And you know what? And you've rolled with the punches and you roll with the changes because ACE has changed over the years, you know, and, and it keeps it keeps changing. You know, mm-hmm. now we're putting out commercials for God, for gosh sakes, you right, right? <laughs> we're doing, no. all doing, you know, it's and, so cool. And Pete, I, I, I'm just gonna y'all know all those commercials and stuff you do, you see, are all done by Pete. He rocks. <laughs> you know, and but end of the day, we're doing innovative stuff in Ace. I mean, I love it. I, I love to see the stuff that we're doing. You know, we have a strong team. We all communicate, and we have a board that all gets along. You know, that's that's. You know, we all get along, we all banter, you know, we can sit there and, and shoot the breeze and say, you know what, this needs to get done. How do we get it done? And it gets done. I love exactly. it. Exactly. We have a great board. I, it, you know, it makes my life so easy with the board we have. It really does. And you know what? I'm going going back to that board conversation where we're talking about some of the tips of joining a board. You know, you're not always going to be each other's cup of tea. And no. they're not always going to agree on everything. And it's okay to agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. That's part of what we do as professionals, right? But right. at the end of the day, it's it's the overall goal that you're trying to accomplish that matters the most. And so, you know, when you get, the, when you get to those moments, you just got to, you know, look at them, take a step back and say, you know what? Let's go ahead and meet in the middle, right? Let's go ahead and figure this out. Does it meet the intent of what we want to accomplish for our membership? So... You just learn to brush it off and move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, and, and your goal at heart is to do what is best for your membership, not as what is best for Barbara Burlingame as a person, 
for what is best for the ACE membership as a whole, because, you know, that's who we're working for is, is our ACE membership. And like I said, I love, I love code enforcement officers. I'm, you know, I'm a, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And it shows. <laughs> we're all and we don't always agree. We don't, you know, as Pete knows, we don't always agree. But you know what? We're all adults. We can talk it out. And it gets done. I mean, that's one thing I just, I just love the board. And I, a suggestion for you, if, if you're thinking about maybe you want to run for an office, but you're not sure, be on a committee. That is a great way to learn what ACE is about and what they're doing is get on a committee and work with that committee and, and get to know ACE and its people a little bit better. And that will give you more of an inkling if you really do want to run for an office. It's a great way to start out. And it's rewarding volunteer hours, rewarding volunteer hours that you're, you're spending, you're getting to know the ins and outs, you know, again, you're solidifying those relationships. So that's a really, really great suggestion, Barb, is, you know, being a part of that. Even even if you can devote a couple hours and say, I want to go ahead and get on the marketing board or the education committee, whatever it may be, whatever committee interests mm -hmm. you. Or even, you know, try a, a few different committees to see what jives with you best. Great way to get involved and get started, for sure. No, and, and some of the things that, you know, as an ACE uh, member that you might benefit, we have a master code enforcement professional designation that, mm -hmm. you know, shows your, your, your knowledge in code. Um, you know, uh, on Barbara's Watch, we implemented a code enforcement check-in because as ACE members, we need to communicate more often. And, you know, she provides a platform to communicate with our, with our members. And it's, you know, you have board members on there and you have people from other states and we share uh, what's going on in our, in, in the current state of code enforcement. I, and I love these type of uh, networking events and camaraderie that we have. And, and one thing that's really been great that's come out of the code enforcement officer check-ins, you know, first of all, it's, it's been a crazy world these past few years and it's, you know, hit code enforcement officers like it has everybody else. But we get a feel for what our uh, ACE members want to hear. And one of the things that's really been a hot topic in these code enforcement officer check-ins is mental health and not just mental health of people that we deal with but our own mental health and I, I can tell you that Brian Wagner has already solidified a, a licensed professional uh, so um, mental health professional that is going to come teach in Atlanta which is October 18th uh, of this year. He's going to come teach a class and right now in the planning stages, but may also be able to avail herself to, if you'd like to talk with her one-on-one -on -one privately for, you know, 15 minute time slot, that that would, we could get that done. And uh, she has tentatively agreed to all that. And I'm really excited about that because that is something that we've heard so much about with code officer check-in. We do. Absolutely. So. You know, if I can chime in real quick, Pete, you know, that is, that's on point. Uh, I think that we focus all the time on how we can become better code officers when we're interfacing with external and internal customers, that we don't spend enough time on how we 
make sure that our own staff, our own teams are doing okay and our own teams are, mm-hmm. you know, taking care of their mental health. And, and when we talk about mental health, we're not necessarily talking about breakdowns or anything like that, but, mm-hmm. you know, stress, anxiety, depression, overworked uh, factors, any any of those things, overwhelming, any of those things that, you know, can directly affect you. And, you know, I always say that, you know, part of going into code enforcement, the first thing that you hear is when you're introducing yourself, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm an inspector. What kind of inspector? Code enforcement. Well, what does that mean? Or, oh, you're one of those people, right? But when, when they ask, well, what, does that what does that mean? What do you do? We typically say, well, we go out there and we safeguard the welfare, the health and welfare of the constituents that we serve, right? Mm-hmm. Health and welfare. What about our own health and welfare? Right? What about the health and welfare of your employees? You know, how are we safeguarding that? How are we looking at making sure that our staff is good, that they have the support that they need, that they have they have a safe place to chat? I always say, you know, when we're talking about um, leadership and management, when you tell your staff, hey, I, you know, no worries, I got an open door policy, you know, come talk to me anytime. Don't say you have an open door policy and then crack a window open, right? Make exactly. sure that you really have an open door policy. Make sure that you're really making yourself available. And, you know, sometimes it takes a it takes it takes a lot of braveness, if you will, right? To say, mm-hmm. okay, today I'm gonna go talk to my boss and I'm gonna let my boss know how I'm feeling. And if they come and knock on your door and you say, Hey, it has to wait, I gotta go. You know, if it's not, you know, and sometimes they don't ask because they're too afraid to interrupt or to cut into time because it's not important. But really say, have those conversations where you can say, okay, yeah, come in real quick. Or if you're if you're going to have a meeting, hey, I got five minutes. Let's go ahead and chat. And if it, if we need more time, let's, let's, you know, cut out some time so that we can meet. But give them the opportunity and the space to, to truly feel safe to come to you and say, Hey boss, this is the way I'm feeling or, or Hey coworker, this is the way I'm feeling and to really get into the habit of checking in with ourselves. So I'm so happy to hear Barb that ACE is putting together a class on mental health Mm -hmm. or the code officers themselves, because it's such a great need for sure. And it will be, um, you know, generally on the first day of our classes, everybody is together. We don't do breakout sessions till the second day. And she will actually be on the first day session where all the code officers will be in there. So I'm really excited about that. Really excited. That's awesome. And, and it's always good that, you know, we, we move, uh, you know, we switch it up a lot, you know, and I think Ace is doing a great job on switching it up so we don't have the same folks over and over. I think it's, it's a great thing, you know, because we need, we represent the whole nation, you know, and there's superstars right. in every state. And, you know, the, the more we, as uh, Ace members, we communicate with each other and say, hey, this person in Idaho is fantastic. You know, we can reach out to them and say, you know, Hey, can, can we, you know, can you come teach for us? I mean, this is stuff that an association's about that camaraderie, that professionalism. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, it's great. We have a gentleman that's coming up and and teaching at Educode, which is gosh, just around the corner. And He's a retired Norman police officer. He works for the Office of Homeland Security. But he's going to teach some great classes like on tactical communications, you know, how you deal with different socioeconomic backgrounds and drugs and safety and recognizing drug use and others to try to keep yourself safe and just 
you know, whole, and, and I can attest to that uh, Gary Shelton is amazing. I, I've had um, his instruction. So, yeah, we try, always try to reach out there, try to keep things fresh and bring the best information we can to our code officers. Yeah, and just uh, just uh, before we wrap it up, because I think we're going over time a little bit, um, Educode is in Las Vegas. It's gonna yes, be it is. February twenty sixth to March uh, the fourth. So February twenty eighth. Oh, yes, to March first. You can come out. Yeah, yeah, Vegas, New Orleans, uh, Hotel Southern Nevada chapter of ICC, um, mm -hmm. and they partner with ACE. Uh, to provide the code enforcement education track. So that's a partnership that ACE has with ICC, and they have many other partnerships that we can definitely discuss at a different date. But, uh, yeah, that's that's something that we also in support of. Uh, we do we are a preferred provider at ACE. And, you know, so if you have um, ICC classes that you need, um, you know, and you've taken our classes, that, that counts towards your CEUs for your certification. Yeah. So for those of you that aren't familiar with the website and you'd like to find out more information on ongoing training at the conferences and all that great stuff about ACE, you can log on to www.ace or aace1.org. So www.ace1.org. Thank you so much, Barb, for joining us this morning. Such great information. Great. I had fun, um, except for the whole update thing. That's okay. You know, it happens. You know, we're, we're still doing the best that we can in our virtual world. So no harm, no foul. Thanks. It happens. All right. Thank you, Barbara, for joining us. And everybody, thank you for joining us. And we appreciate your time. Bye. Bye. Thanks, everybody.